The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me this evening, this afternoon, is Tony Payne, John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners. Heck of a week, guys. Oh, it's a fun week. Yeah. Tony, so going back to your, you're always on top of current events. Do you watch the, you you buckle down and pop some popcorn and watch the elections? I'm glad you said popcorn and not anything else. Okay. But yes, right. yes, pop some popcorn and right. have some coffee and, you know, stayed up and watched and memorable. watched and, you know, it's coming on day eight. Do you have any, four. what's your most memorable election viewing? Oh, most memorable. It was definitely... Uh, 2008, I would say. I mean, I was there at the airport hangar the night before and with one of the candidates, and it was kind of fun. And Oh, you wow. Know, then, the okay. next, then the next day, the results came out. It wasn't so fun. Okay. But, you know, it was uh, that was probably it. That was, you 2008. know, just, okay. just the lead into that and the experience was, was awesome. John, what was your most memorable viewership of? Do you watch, do you watch the results at all? Do you watch uh, Sporadically, I don't get all tied up in it because I know I can't do anything about it, and most of what they're saying is speculation, and I'm willing to wait for whatever the final results are. So, right, I did my part. I went out and voted, and I must say, the poll, uh, what do they call it, the staff, staff at the polls, yeah, were unbelievable. They were so terrific. There were especially two young persons there, two young ladies. And, you know, I'm half blind, so I can't see. Mm-hmm. And they were just so accommodating, I couldn't believe it. So they deserve a reward. Uh, amen. It's, vol- it's voluntary uh, for the most part, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. You, voluntary. You see these young people out there doing it all over. I mean, it's a great thing. It's it been is. part of the process. Civic duty. And, and again, my, my most memorable one was 2000. Oh yeah, because I I I was up. I fell asleep, woke up around three a.m. and I was like, "What the heck is going on?" And and since then I was I've been hooked on it. Actually, I do remember uh, the Reagan Mondale one too as a kid, okay. where it just became a sea of red. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was beautiful. Right. So, Did you have any friends named Chad in two thousand? No, no, right. no. Right. Okay, fair enough. No, no hanging Chad. Who works with us? Yeah, not, not no <laughs> hanging tads either. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but the, the only thing I will say is, and I I say two thousand because we all remember Florida uh, was the 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 focal point of that election turnout and and somebody was saying um, I I do retwitter unfortunately yeah. I do. And, Stay and, plugged in. Yeah, yeah. right. Someone said, "How you can do Florida?" Twitter, Stephen. Yeah, I pay attention. Oh, come on. So somebody made the comment, "How can Florida have no problems counting all these votes, yet Pennsylvania, Arizona, all these other states have their problems?" And Jeb Bush jumped in and says, "We fixed the problem in 2000." That's right. Right. So he, they said we we knew we had a problem and they fixed it. And I will say, I wish the states would somehow get on board here with the efficiencies and um there's a lot of ways you can do it better and more efficient and hopefully they wake up to it and 
we can have I don't want to, I don't need to expect an outcome within 12 hours but come on already I think 13 yeah. minutes is fast enough right yeah <laughs> right. <laughs> so with well, computers and everything else we have going these days it ought to be reasonably simple for people to add up a bunch of numbers you well, know yeah you look at American Idol <laughs> pretty pretty efficient with the counting of the votes there yeah right they're dancing with the stars right. by the end of the last dance they know yeah so did you win that one last time John what dancing, no, dancing with the stars <laughs> right. dancing yeah, with John right. yeah so uh just switching topics here going to the the markets the uh, stock market had a huge pop for the positive uh, I think my opinion, and John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think the market always loves stability, and the stability it sees right now is lack of change when it comes to tax, tax policy. Uh, with uh, It looks like it's going to be Biden's presidency, GOP Senate, and then the House will be uh, House of, uh, will be the Democrats. And the stability comes with not massive overhaul to tax code. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's fair. Thank God there's that firewall in the Senate because they'll protect us from some of the many things we were hearing before the election that they were wanting to do. Yeah. And and when it comes to the taxes, and we say this all the time, regardless of the president, there hasn't been many presidents to increase taxes and had a good outcome, both Republican and Democrat. So because it puts a lot of pressure on the the economy on many different levels, and uh, we want the consumer to have money to spend, and that spending stimulates jobs, it stimulates a lot of the economy, and, and that's our perspective of it, regardless of who's the president. Right. Um, no no uh, doubt there. So, And then the other news today was um, uh, Fed Chairman Powell announced that the Fed's fund rate will remain at zero, trying to create that stimulus within the economy. John, any thoughts there with the Fed fund rate? Well, I, I think that's wonderful that they have a zero rate. And a lot of people, I was looking at the home mortgage rates, and gee whiz, I better sell my house, Stephen. I'm trying. You know, 2% for a 30-year mortgage. That's incredible, it's the impact that this is having. Fascinating. And ironically enough, that's going to be today's topic is debt. We're going to talk about debt and all the different types of debt. Um, you know, the, the economy needs to needs to have some uh, stability. This is obviously election week, so our focus is there. But that the other focus is going to be COVID uh, and the economy. And we, we absolutely, I'm of the opinion, we cannot shut down our economy again because I don't think we can afford it. Amen. We cannot. So I'm hopeful the Americans will become Americans again. You know, I, I don't know if I use this analogy or not, but when I was a young person, there was a disease called polio. You remember that? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, so when I was a young person, there was no vaccine for a long time until the doctor saw came out with one. And the businesses didn't close. We went to school. Everything operated as, as we would like it to operate. Yes, there were people who became sick. Yes, some died. And one of my friends, for example, had polio, and his whole right side is paralyzed. But you know what? We were Americans, and we stood up, and we went forward instead of this cowering that I'm seeing these days. That's obviously one of the opinions we hear a lot about, um, and it's a, it's a lightning rod opinion, and everyone's yep. entitled to it. You've got your own. Uh, I think there's a middle ground there. We certainly, you know, we need to do our... Uh, we can't act the way we did 12 months ago. We know that. We can't go to major events, but there is a minimum standard we have to adhere to to keep moving forward as a society, and that's hopefully we can find that middle ground.
And Tony, today's topic, you brought it up. We want to talk about debt. That four-letter word. You don't like it? No. Why not? No. I mean, it's got historical roots as being evil. I mean, you look at Merriam-Webster. Look at the definition of debt. I'd never done it before, honestly. Okay. I just figured I'd learn what debt was. And what does it say? The first one was sin. Sin or trespass. And you think about, think about the phrase, forgive us our debts. Well, go along with that. And then ju- just trace it along. I mean, through different religions, through history, debt's always been something that's been shamed, maybe, or pretty powerful, shunned, we'll say. And then the idea, too, of every so often a jubilee. I mean, there's a lot of deep history here in debt, so we'll cover this and keep going on it. But I just find it such an interesting topic. And then to go into how do we use it nowadays with all the different tools and instruments in our commoditized world, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff there, I think. John, you're a studier of the Bible. Is uh, debt uh, appropriate when it comes to sin, when it comes to biblical? I I agree with what Tony said. I mean, forgive us our debt. And uh, I agree with that point. So, yep. Okay, good. Well, when we, we're going to come up on a break here, and that's what really is our topic today is going to be about debt and what types of debt debts are out there. I, I'm of the argument maybe it's not always bad, but we'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, true, but obviously true. within a financial plan, if you don't want any debt, let's focus on that. Uh, but a lot of people have to deal with that, and that's what we're going to get into uh, when we come back from the break. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and in today's episode, we are talking about that evil four-letter word, Tony, debt. It's strong. It's powerful. Debt. Where did it start? Well, if you trace it back, and you know me, I'm a history nerd. I like I like to know the origin here. And you think about way, way back, kings. Kings would sign up for debt, and usually it was the Dutch or others that they may have financed their adventures or wars or whatever they were doing. So out on, and they had private markets. You could have a loan at three percent. But if you were a king who was adventurous, you know, bad credit score, you might pay 15, <laughs> 15 to 20% interest. Ooh. And there are documents going back to 1681 where this happened. And one of the first powers that Parliament in England, as soon as they started taking powers from the king, the first thing they took was the power to tax, the okay. power to spend, the power to borrow, because the kings would go off and do these adventurous things and, you know, go bankrupt. Interesting. So King Stephen, I'm King Stephen. I say, oh, I want to uh, finance a voyage yes, to, yes, to yes. this other this land world. across the across the ocean or the waters. And I'd go to another par- a country and say, I need X number of dollars. I'll pay you 10 you ten percent or who gets negotiated. Yeah, maybe 20. 20%, yeah. right? Yeah. And then that's how it started. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's got historical roots there and, and even further back, depending on where we're looking. But the idea is it's not a new thing. I mean, we've really come up with some fancy instruments nowadays to say you can borrow on your paycheck a week in advance or you can borrow on your car or you can borrow on this or that. All kinds of different ways to borrow. It's nothing new. So a lot of the principles of how to manage debt that are historically accurate may still be accurate. Well, when I was there in 1600. (laughs) (laughs) But what's interesting about debt, if you really think about it, 
it's buying something you can't afford. Right. So it's a form of greed. You you want a car that you really cannot afford, you haven't saved up for, and so you take out a debt, or you buy a house, or whatever the case may be. So that's the first fallacy in debt. Now, we've come a long way, and we, we're going to talk about that today, but uh, that's a real problem for most people. And debt, like too much drinking or drugs or whatever you want to talk about, can overcome the individual. And that's what we've seen in our all the economies around the world. Right. Even the U.S. Uh, history, yeah. right? Uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, founder of the, the yeah, creator the of the Treasury, really. right? His, he used debt as a way to help this country get started and um, leveraged it. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, they sold direct bonds for the Louisiana Purchase. That worked out. That was a good Pretty buy. good deal. You know, I don't know how much I might trust some current politicians with, the, you know, that kind of checkbook. But that's the process we've gone through as a nation is basically refining when we can borrow, what we can borrow for. So it's really limited some of that adventurism. So if we think about back in the day of a king where they could do whatever they wanted and plow over the fields, go to war, do whatever. Now with the rules that Congress has on administration, vice versa, there's really not much that can change in the credit markets, you know, from administration to administration. So that's a neat little fact that says credit's a pretty good thing nowadays for the U.S., which is a lot stronger back than back in the day. And it's very interesting, and obviously, I think I'm I'm of I'm very concerned about the debt this country yeah. has on its books right now, and where will it ever slow down? I don't know. Uh, I think we've come to the point where let's try to grow our way out of it. Where income, if as long as we can maintain that income stream, we can manage debt, and that's a lot that applies to a financial plan. So, on that very note, Stephen, I think you and I talked about this. We've seen that there is a four quadrillion dollar asteroid out there. I think right, King, right, right, King right, Stephen right, right. can raise the funds for this adventure. I'll we'll call finance Elon it Musk, with bonds. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll go out and we'll grab that sucker. We'll come back, piece it up. But that's the idea though. I mean, that's exactly I mean, I'm joking yeah. here, but that's the idea of what you could do and that's the power of bringing people together, commoditizing, having a common interest, but also having a profit incentive. Yeah. Well, and you know, there was a way to make a profit with debt in the old days when uh, consumer interest was deductible, for example. Do you guys remember that? No, you were still in I heard stories, but that's about it. <laughs> way back then, there was a way that you could deduct the interest on credit cards and everything else, your home loan, of course, and other loans. And so what you could do, if you did the math, the tax bracket, since it was deductible, would overcome the borrowing of the money if you invested it. And so you could invest and overcome the debt. It was really pretty spectacular back then. Did that, Nowadays, you can't do that. Was that implemented in your lifetime, John? Yes. Okay. So oh. so did that stimulate? It had to stimulate some kind of the economy of some kind, right? Well, it must have. People were buying stuff like crazy. It was that the origin of the credit card then, right? Just as far oh, as yeah, everyone the credit tried. card. I, I remember that coming, and yeah. I, I did a speech where I warned people about the credit card that it was going to cause problems. But of course, they didn't listen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the credit card was brand new back in the day, Stephen. I, you know, when I was in diapers, but but it was there. Yeah, and and so when it comes to a financial plan, like you can manage debt as long as you have the income to maintain at least the interest payments on it yeah. and based on the agreement. So, you know, Tony, you brought up a, a, an interesting term. I ha had to look it up. So we were okay. 
Debt Jubilee. Oh, yeah. What the heck is a debt jubilee? Is that like a church function? <laughs> similar. <laughs> similar. I mean, depending on your history there. But yeah, the idea is every 50 years, every thousand years, I mean, depending on where we're looking. But every so often, you're going to have a time period where everyone has their debts forgiven. And if you were the new ruler, sometimes you took over and you just granted a jubilee. You know, if you're one of the subjects, you get a clean slate. We're working fresh. Part of that, and it was interesting, though, is the part, you know, the practical mechanics, you didn't want your subjects paying someone else. So if you were going to clear their slate and say, nope, you don't know them anymore. We believe in debts. We believe in that. But no, you'll incur new debts. You'll pay them to me. That was an interesting take. But then the other side was you didn't want people working just to pay off their debts. So after time, they would only be working to then pay off debts. So if you did, if you cleared the slate, well, now they could, quote, do productive things, grow the economy, all that. Is that even a... You talk about biblically, Tony, that in the Jewish times, it was a seven-year debt. At the end of seven years, people's debt was forgiven. Oh, even, yeah, you're on it, John. You, yeah. How does that apply to today's society? Is it even possible? Is it possible? I mean, you could say yes. I mean, you you see where a billionaire, I mean, it seemed like a nice guy. You know, he wrote the checks to clear all the student debt for graduates of Morehouse University. I mean, that in effect is a debt jubilee. I mean, you came out, you thought you'd have this debt. So anytime, but someone had to pay for it. That's oh, yeah, the key he did, yeah. versus a king just saying, oh, no more debt. Well, I mean, right? the king in this case could be your federal government, but I don't yeah. know that we would want that. I don't know. I somebody's mean, gotta, somebody there's got to be the debit and the credit from the accounting standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Right? Somebody's got to pay for that debt that is then being wiped clean, or somebody's got to swallow it, which that's the hard part sometimes. Right. Well, the problem is now that people are just spending crazy. You know, we are in a, a consumer economy. And people see something on the television or on the computer, and they need to have it, even though they don't need to have it. And so they go rush and buy it. So they get into debt, credit cards or whatever, and that causes a problem. So we can't really affect that, the, the philosophy behind that, because that means people are going to spend, spend, spend. And then they know they're just going to get it paid off. We can't do that. Well, I guess the, the modern thing would, is the talk of the forgiving of the student debt. That would be some form Similar. of debt, debt jubilee, yeah. and the whole uh, pros and cons behind it is a right. separate conversation, but nonetheless, that would be another form of the debt jubilee. Yeah, and we know not all debt is negative, so we'll start talking through some of the positives, how you might use it in a positive way. Uh, there are some positives here, but we'll go through that first, but be cautious. Yeah, and we are coming up on a break, so when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into debt, how it relates to your financial plan, the good, the bad, the ugly when it comes to consumer debt. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me this evening is other certified financial planners, Tony Payne, John Sestina. And with Managing to be Wealthy, it's it's a lifestyle, it's a process, uh, financial plan. Everybody needs one, and we feel it's really important. You don't know, not everyone needs to pay a financial planner to do it. So what we try to do is enlighten everybody on how to build a financial plan 
And in today's show, we're really going off on off topic and maybe giving a perspective on what debt is all about. And we talked a little bit about the history of debt, where it originated, how it pertains to um, maybe your financial plan is what we're going to talk about next. And probably the most common form of debt that most people really aspire to have is the mortgage. Everyone would love to have a house without a mortgage, but most people can't acquire a house without talking to a bank or some lending institution to say, hey, will you lend me money so I can own a house? Yeah. Yeah, it's the biggest purchase a lot of people ever make in their life is a a house to, like you said, have the money at once. Some people don't do that. They just go to the bank, which makes sense. It's so easy. The banks have this great industry and marketing behind it. I mean, very rarely do you hear someone bring up, I want to pay cash for my primary residence, or I want to pay cash half down, something like that, which there are times where that makes a lot of sense versus even using these banking tools. But if you're like most people, you don't have that available, then a mortgage enables buying a home. And the, the mortgage process almost makes it easier to do it that way than to pay actually pay pay cash or stroke a check, uh, write a check uh, for the whole house. Yeah. John, you know anything about mortgages? Oh, nothing at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are places where you cannot have mortgages per se. Do you ever wonder why so many people in England live in flats, not houses? Why is that? Because they have to pay cash. Really? Yep. So they may have changed that, but that's the way it was. And that's still a good opportunity, you guys. I know we've all sucked into this, well, you know, if I want something, I ought to have it. If I see that, I need it. And, And that's not true. So the house is the same thing. Believe it or not, when I went to buy my house, I had enough cash to pay for it. Now, I didn't because I was doing financial planning stuff, but... Nonetheless, that should be the attitude. You should save up the money. If you want to understand the comfort of peace with your money, imagine right now if you didn't have a mortgage payment, how much better would your life be? If you didn't have a car payment, whatever you have loans on, if you didn't have those payments, what would your life be like? You'd feel a lot less pressure right now. You would feel less pressure in this pandemic. You'd feel less pressure if your job is struggling and so on and so forth. So you know, debt is debt. I know it's there, and it's, I'm not going to change that. But I'm not sure I'm excited about having it. And and that's what I'll say in regards to a financial plan. And most people, as they achieve that financial independence and use that word retirement, when they get close to retirement or retire, I would say a majority of the people, I would hope, have no more debt, right, for the most part, maybe a car loan. But the mortgage is paid, and I would say in most circumstances that would be the case. Not always the case, but let's let's hope so. And that, John, is right where you're at. It's that peace of mind aspect of not having to worry about a mortgage payment. Right. And There's a lot of articles now that say a lot of people in retirement still have mortgages. Yeah, we, we've talked about it, right? Yep. And, that's, and that's a lot of burden if you think you have a $2,000 monthly payment. Right. Uh, that's 24000 a year. That needs to come from somewhere, maybe an IRA, a 401k, your Social Security check. That's a hefty amount of money. And the other part of this, too, just to include it, it's maybe not part of the debt discussion, but with the mortgages, you've got to deliberately separate what's your insurance cost, what's your interest cost, and what's the property taxes. 
because you may wipe off the mortgage. You may have that cleared off, be paid off, but you're still going to have property taxes and insurance. And depending on what you plan for in retirement, if you just wiped off the whole mortgage payment and you weren't thinking about those other items, I mean, everything we know, property taxes usually grow over time. And if that's going to continually grow, that's something you need to factor in. Sure is. Property taxes are a big deal. Bobby and I today went to a a seminar on moving into a, a, what do you call them, old people's house. And the expenses, the fee, was $4,000 a month. Now, that's a lot of money. But when you look at that compared to your home ownership, how do you come out? Might be a lot cheaper. Right. Yeah. The other the other conversation you hear for the younger people is, well, I don't want to burn my money on rent. That's a very common, you know, you hear that phrase all the time. And I'm like, would you rather burn your money on interest? Right. Because no one factors that in. And in the first five years of a mortgage, it is so top heavy with interest payments. It that's you're paying somebody, yeah. right? It's the just so hidden. It's so crazy. When you're young and you go buy your house and you get this mortgage, and, and as you say, the first years. The interest rate is overwhelming. Then as you begin to grow and make more money and grow into a higher tax bracket, what happens to the interest? It begins to shrink over that same 15- or 20-year period. So it's completely reverse uh, uh, good psychology. Why would you try to get a bunch of tax deductions when you don't have any real income and have no tax deductions when your income is much higher? Right. John, you're on it, too. Again, I mean, the idea of doing the math and seeing it on paper, I mean, it's called that amateurization schedule. But when I see it, Stephen's got it I, up I actually have it me. up on my computer. Right. I saw that out of the corner of my eye. I thought, yeah. wow, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of knowing how much does your money cost? I mean, we use that phrase a lot, but the cost of money is real. It's not always something that's one-to-one. So the interest rate and the time that you're there, these matter. Yeah, and if you look over the life of a mortgage that I pulled up that amortization schedule, you know, $250,000 mortgage, I gave a 3% interest rate, which is brand new, right? Uh, Five years ago, it was 45 to 5%. Over the life of the loan, $250,000, it's $130,000 of interest. Uh, What? Say that again? Yeah. It's like buying another house. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that that goes to the point of, you know, don't consider rent burning money because you're you're paying somebody that interest. The banks love it. And I'll, and I'll play along, Stephen. Let's just say you said, well, the house will go up in value. Oh, right. Is it really going to go up that much in <laughs> right. value? Right. And along the way to keep it going up in value, what kind of money are you going to have to put into it to maintain that asset? If that's how you want to look at it between painting, maintenance, upkeep, et cetera. And now it starts to even out there. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this numerous times. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, you know, I had the client who kept track of this. He came into my office because he doubted me on that. I said, you're going to sell your house when you do for exactly how much money you put in it. So he came into my office one day and he threw this booklet on my desk and he gave a swear word. He said, darn you. (laughs) And I said, what's wrong? He said, I did the math. And this guy was really, really careful. And he said, you were right. I just sold my house and it was exactly for the amount I had put in it plus the original. So I made no profit. Yeah. So, and again, you know, the home ownership, again, we're in favor of home ownership. It's a reward. It's, it is the American dream. It's that self-gratitude of having the ownership. Just be cautious about it. That debt word is very, very sensitive. Um, Tony, next, next favorite debt for you? 
Ooh, next favorite debt. Let's talk about the fun depreciating asset debts, car debts. <laughs> I, did, I, did I give it away there? You sort of did. All right. It's yeah. a pretty... In favor, Tony, I'm surprised. No, yeah, in favor in the sense of they're my favorite because there's so many ways that people make mistakes, I think. It, it, yeah, it really is. Because it's, I mean, it's helpful. Key, it's a way key, that we can be The helpful. key term is the depreciating asset. Yeah. Right. And that's that's a terrible uh, situation that you're paying interest, you're paying uh, a payment on something that is depreciating in value. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into this card debt uh, situation when we come back from the break. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and in today's show, we're talking about debt. But before we further that conversation, if you'd like to learn a little bit, little bit more about John E. Sestina and Company and Managing to be Wealthy, you can contact us at our office at 614-326-3077 or look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Just spell it out. Got a lot of good information there as well as ways to contact us. Get your financial plan in order. That's something we can help you with. Debt, the four-letter word, it's evil. Strong. Strong, right? It is. But we talked a little bit, Tony, you teased it, depreciating asset debt such as a car loan. You know, I, I let's look at the car loan process, yeah. right? People do it backwards. First thing I, I used to, I used last car I bought, I did it backwards. <laughs> I went shopping you, for the car. All right. Right. I find the yep. car I love. Yep. And then the guy's like, well, how are you going to uh, pay for it? I'm oh. like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I skipped the step. I found the loan I loved first. Right. <laughs> oh, it looked so good. Yeah. I priced it out. I tested it. I got the term sheet. Ooh, it, it fit me nice. And then you went shopping. And then, yeah. Then I got this piece of metal that I the, drive right. around. And that's the key, yeah. right? Is is do the right thing to do is get find the right loan first, then go shopping. Because when you do find that car you love, you, you it's not going Getting away from you. It's hard to say no. Right. It really, I mean, and I understand that it's a big emotional decision. There's, again, a lot of marketing behind it, a lot of pressure. And when you can say, just sign here, I mean, that just takes willpower. That's yeah. everything we're a trying pen. to say here to say, manage debt responsibly. We know it is everywhere. It's all over the place. They'll let you sign up for debt at the pet hospital. They'll let you sign up for debt at any auto dealer. They'll let you sign up Retail for debt at the now. hospital. Right. Retail. I mean, anywhere you go, there's typically the potential that I can sign up for debt right now. And it's really just your own willpower and knowing why I don't want to do that. Because easily the result of, hey, if I sign here, I get that. That makes a lot of, you know, psychological sense. Right. But to know the implications of when I sign here, what does that mean? That's what we're trying to get through tonight. Yeah. And John, that goes back to the greed factor, right? No different than when people go and want to buy a nice new TV. Hey, you can get an additional discount or a 0% interest loan. Sign here. You're out the door. No questions asked. But the devil's in the details of what kind of loan did you even sign up for? Exactly right. Well, even the simple uh, question of a simple interest loan or a compound interest loan. Some people don't know that they can get a loan that no matter when they pay it off, they have to pay all the interest that was in the loan. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. Even those loans you for what I the example I used with the TV, right? The loan the the, the interest starts accruing, and every and if, yeah, and if you don't make that last payment off in that term you signed up for, 
all the interest applies. And each state is different in what they allow to be done, and each contract is different. So as soon as you, oh, there's no prepayment penalty, that would never happen. You better read the thing because there might be a prepayment penalty by a different word. And now they're just trying something new. I mean, you really have to read these things. And I know there's a lot of fine print, but there are a lot of terms there that we just need to understand. Oh, Tony, why do I have to do that? I could just, you know, go to my Twitter and read that. <laughs> See? Hey, you and, making fun of me, John? Well, I'll, <laughs> let me, John, you've taught me this, though. I want to answer that. I, I know the answer to that. You've said it. If you sign up for that car and you pay for debt and you pay it with a high interest loan, and then you tally up all that debt you paid over the maybe seven years, which some reason they let car loans go to now. seven years. So if you tally all that debt up on it, maybe even a used car on that seven years, compare it to the depreciation, how much is that and how much did you really have to love that car in the moment? I mean, you do that math and usually it's about double. So it, it and double is being favorable. So if you go through and say this car is the one I want now, if you're signing up for that high interest loan over that long term, you might as well think of yourself as buying two of them, but only one of them is really for you. Yeah, and I think if you think of it that way, right, right. When you think of it that way, it's mm, all right. Maybe I maybe I won't do that. What about a zero percent interest loan? Those are fun. If you're able to qualify, <laughs> right. I mean, there's a, that's a privilege of being able to say, I've got good credit. That, that's where it comes down to. If you are fortunate enough to have that good credit, that's that's a favorable scenario. Now it does factor in on your balance sheet. You have to list that liability to say, okay, I do owe someone money, but the fact that you're able to get a 0% loan, that's pretty good. It, it, obviously, the cash flow comes into play there, but that's a situation where... You know, they they willing to give you a 0% loan to take our goods. Right. And especially now when interest rates are so low. Again, we want to talk about some of the positives. And if you're going through this car buying process to go ahead and try to get a pre-approval somewhere, again, whichever institution you're using, shop around on those. But the idea is when you have that, you still might have the dealer run their different credit sources just so they can really compare and say, are you getting the best deal and what you got in your pre-approved offer? But then you really have confident shopping. You know what you're doing. I think it takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of confidence in going to a dealer and they say, uh, how do you want to pay for this? And then they do have an, a, a deal it really works for you, even though you have a pre-set your loan. Right. Right. That's the fun part. It's a bargaining I mean, chip. Again, yeah. this is the fun part of planning. It gives yep. you control. It gives you the ability to be more efficient. You know, you want to know where this is at so you can get the favorable loan. You want to know what was my income last year. I mean, these are things to just go through, and they're kind of basic, but it's easy to get wrapped up in life, go day to day, forget some of this, and then you go sign up for a loan, and you end up paying for two cars when you really wanted one. Yeah. Now, the financial plan is always affected by all the little things you do. Now, buying a car isn't little, but my point, you buy a car, you buy a refrigerator, you do this, you do that, you you uh, use a credit card for a vacation. Those are all little decisions in your mind, but they end up being a big cost. Yeah. All right, we got a couple more minutes here, Tony. Another one of your favorite loans. Oh, we've talked about it, the idea of the personal loan. Oh, boy. Yeah, you just go in there and say, here's my name, I want a loan on my good name. 
that can be very dangerous. Yeah, who the, you who you lend, who's lending it to you? Oh, that's a tricky part. I mean, I, is it a Native American tribe on a reservation? They have those pre-approval things, right? Is it a bank that's approved by the Fed? Is it some international group or is it a private group? So, the is it just your normal bank? I mean, there are a lot of varieties of personal loans out there. The most favorable are typically family personal loans. Mm -hmm. And then you just work your way back up from there with who who can charge the highest interest rate with those being the worst. But right. there, there's a wide variety out there. And that comes Don't down to... the guy in a corner. <laughs> oh, I forgot about him, John. Yeah. If my name wasn't Tony... Well, I can call you him could, Tony. Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony yeah. in the and, corner. Yeah, Tony in the corner. Yeah. So and the, the challenge is, is the higher the interest rate is because you the poorer the credit right right if you're you're in need for money you have you're desperate for the money you may end up seeing the guy in the corner but that's a pretty dire situation yeah you're really paying for that i mean the cost of money gets more expensive money's not all the same it becomes very expensive money so what you do with it really has to be worth it right you know is that back deck something that's worth it is getting the child braces worth it i mean those are two different decisions versus going out and maybe getting a new car well the other type of loan you said the improvement of the back patio right oh, yeah, we if, didn't even right, get there the banks actually would be in favor of that cuz it may increase the value the perceived value of that house they'll be a little bit more favorable so you can do a home improvement loan See, right good thing and you have to have okay here's what we're going to do here's how much it's going to cost here's the dollar amount we need and the bank may be okay with it because you can actually prove that it's going to increase the or maintain yeah. the value of the house there's some perceived uh, leverage there and in that case it may or may not even be secured i mean we didn't even get there but there's all kinds of flavors of different home loans too yeah all right. Well, we're running out of time here. Another good topic, a little different. Uh, coming up on future shows, we're going to start talking about 2021 tax planning. It's around the corner. We got There's been some uh, announcements made. So on future shows, we're going to bring up 2021 tax planning. We do appreciate all the listeners. And please tune in again next week. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.